is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach, and today I'm delighted to welcome Jody Ecker-Detchen to the show. Jody is going to talk about how to change the mindset in an organization to overcome gender stereotypes. Jody, I am so excited to talk about you and this brilliant new book. So welcome. Thanks, Carolyn. Very fun to be so, here. Yeah, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. So let's just start right off the bat. What inspired you to write this book? And it's called The Next Smart Step, How to Overcome Gender Stereotypes and Build a Stronger Organization. So back in 2013, we wrote a book called The Orange Line, and we were really focused in on all the ways that women were holding themselves back in their careers. And so what we, and we've done a lot of work with organizations and with women on that. And what we found was that there's still all these other barriers, right? These all these external barriers and that men have a lot of biases too, shock of shock. And yeah, so right. we really, I know. And so we really wanted to expand into that broader sense and really give people an idea of why this is the situation, why we're here and what we can do to get out of it. And so it's really targeted awesome. at women and then at men and at organizational leaders. And so we've got all sorts of tools and tactics and strategies to really help. Let's get, let's get past this already. You know, I'm getting tired of exactly. talking about it. <laughs> I know. I know. I hear you. Well, thank you. Thank you for your, your rallying cry. And, you know, it's interesting um, in reading the book and, and, and researching about you, you state really eloquently that, gosh, we've been talking more over the last few years about how women and specifically people of color have different experiences mm. in the workplace. Yeah. And you write that this is a systemic problem. So yeah. give me some examples and, you know, what are some solutions to ponder? Because you're really looking at this from an organizational approach. Yes. Although we do have a couple of chapters on individual as well. Yeah. I think one of the things, and I think I'll use this COVID situation as, a, as an example for this, because I think we're really seeing it. McKinsey just came out with a study, you know, saying that women are four times as likely to leave or be be let go of in this current environment. And one of the reasons is because of the childcare situation, right? So we have yeah. designed these organizations to exist in a situation where quote unquote women do the childcare. And we're seeing it writ large as this whole COVID situation has unfolded and women have put upon themselves now all the childcare responsibilities as well as teaching responsibilities. And it's just old school, right? It's just an assumption. We've made all these assumptions about how things are supposed to work. And then we build it into the organizations. For example, some organizations are like, hey, you know, if you can't do work, uh, because of childcare, well, that's your issue. And so what we've made it is this individual problem, but yet it affects everybody. And men are affected. Even people that don't have children are affected because they there's this assumption that one day a woman will have a child. And so all this historical baggage is put on women and then decisions are made in promotion. Their decisions are made in hiring. Decisions are made in terms of should you give a woman a, a stretch assignment? even, which will get her to that next level. So all these integral decision-making that exists as part of the processes internal to organizations get stopped up because of these underlying assumptions. And so that's a, that's a real problem. And so one of the things that I think we really try to 
tease out in this book and in our research is this idea of let's look at the lens and let's take away the blame piece and look at what's going on. We've made these decisions because that's the way it used to work back a long time ago in history. And it doesn't work that way anymore. So now let's look at what's happening and change those processes now. So let's take, for example, hiring. If I want to hire somebody and say I'm in the middle of the, you know, mid-level leadership and I want to hire most organizations, many organizations say, okay, go out to your networks. Well, we know that many people in senior leadership and middle leadership have very homogenous networks. And so what they're going to do is they're going to go out and find more people like them. And so that's another example, like how do we go out and actually do these things? And it's not, not like anybody says, I'm going to go out and be biased, but because right. they go out and their, and their networks are homogenous, it, it, the outcome is biased. And so what we're trying to do is peel back the layers and say, here's what's going on. Because once people see what's going on, then they're more willing to actually make the change. And I'm so grateful that you you zeroed in on hiring because I think so many organizations are lazy. And of course, yeah, they, <laughs> they post it on LinkedIn and they put it on all the job boards, but they're expecting people to fall into those websites right. and apply, right. right? And I think if we need to be proactive, as you said, about bringing in cognitive diversity, diverse candidates, right, right. who can mix it up a little bit, and they're not always going to fall into that online job board. Right. We need to be proactive. Right. And the worst part is now we've automated so much of this, right? And so yeah. because we've automated it, you've got a resume algorithm that's out there looking at the resumes. And so unless your resume triggers this piece. And then, of course, if the job ad is gendered, so because it basically says, we are competitive, oh, yeah. we go out and rock the world, right. you know, the women aren't going to apply. In fact, we found one one job ad where the guy was like, I like to drink whiskey and work all weekend. If you're interested, <laughs> you apply for my COO position. You know, it's like... <laughs> Wow. It was really stereotypical. Wow. And so that is. you've got to be intentional and you've got to think more broadly about it. So for example, if you if everybody graduated from an Ivy from your organization and you all go always go back to those Ivies, well, you're not likely gonna find a more diverse candidate pool. You're gonna find a lot of people like that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm grateful too that you said right off the bat. Look, you know, we're this is not about blame. Right. Let's have an open and honest discussion. Do you find that leaders are receptive? Are they are they scared? Are they excited? What's the reaction? Well, it's funny because initially, everybody's fear. Like for example, we're working with some senior leaders around some inclusion work, and they're like, you know, we don't want to be PC, and we're saying, you know, they're. Politically correct is not what we're after. We're not going to give you a rule book and say, do this, don't do that, because that's not the point. The point is, is that you need to figure out what is going on with the other person. What's the other person's experience? What's the other person's perspective? And see that side of it and start to and respect them. Right. And say, oh, my God, what I just said was stereotypical. You know, I didn't ask you to go on that travel because I didn't think you wanted to. Well, you made an assumption. So not blaming but instead saying, ah, I made a mistake. Let's now thank you for pointing that out and let's go to the next step. And so this is about awareness raising. It's about saying, you know, our brains work because they're they're made to be biased because that's the way the brains are structured, right? That's the way our so that we don't have to look at everything in the world, we can focus in on what's important. But we have this narrative of bias. And the narrative of bias is really made up of all the experiences we've had to date. So if I work in a very homogenous, say I'm a senior leader, and all the other senior leaders are pretty much like me, then my narrative, my bias narrative says that this is what successful managers look like. 
Instead, what we have to do is we have to broaden our definitions. So we have to go out and get more experience. So if I haven't had a lot of experience with professional women, I need to go figure out how I'm going to get other experience with professional women so that I can start to see some of the differences and start to see what would happen if I bring this in. What would happen if I look at people differently, if I understand and broaden my view of what my narrative of a good leader looks like? And what's, oh, cool, I love it. what's cool about that is once you start to change the narrative, then you become more open and you start to see other opportunities about where you can hire or where you can promote from. So let me ask, I, I get the book is twofold in that it talks about the systemic approach from an organization. But what about the the millions of women listening yes. who are saying, okay, Jody, I get it. And boy, <laughs> am I in that situation. Yeah. And, you know, those sports metaphors are flying yeah. and, you know, I'm, I'm being, um, you know, put in a box and, and all of the things that we've heard for, for decades, yeah. how does she yeah. reach out and say, okay, put me in, consider me yeah. because I don't want to be sidelined. Well, what's interesting too, is that we have a whole section on individual bias as well. And we look at it from a female perspective and also from a male perspective. And one of the things that a lot of research, including our research shows is that women don't put themselves out there as much because of yeah. all these female stereotypes. I mean, I think you've written about it as well. This idea of I have to be perfect. I have to be a hundred percent, all this kind of stuff. And so I think part of this is really, and we talk about this in the book, this idea of peeling back the layers. What is the assumption that we're making? And the assumption that we found in our research is, is that oftentimes women don't put themselves out because they believe they have to be perfect because if they aren't perfect then they are not really good enough and so right. once you identify the assumption then we have this framework which we call reframing then you reframe the assumption like is that true is that really true and it's like well no it's not true because actually i'm in this position because i'm good enough and if i look around at my peers I'm actually good enough. And so the tool for women, the first tool, the first step in all of this is this idea of, of reframing, of, of, of finding out the assumptions that are underlying your behavior and then shifting your perspective about them. And what that does is it literally opens up the options. I'll give you an example. So one woman that we had interviewed, she was a senior leader and she was you know, a senior executive and she got this opportunity to run a business unit. And so she was not really feeling very confident about her ability to do this. But she said, give me some time to think about it. Thank goodness. And so she goes home. She talks to her husband. She calls a couple of her friends. And they're all like, all right, so what about the other people that would be up for this job? Are you as good as them? She's like, of course I'm good, as good as them. But she knew that she was as good as her peers. And so they were like, okay. So what's the problem? She's like, well, I've never done this before. And then she's like, well, what does the job entail? Have you done this, 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 and this? She's like, well, yeah, I've done almost all of those things. So as she gathered her research, she realized that she was actually a perfect choice. So she goes into her senior leader and she says, okay, I'm going to take the job. Here's the title I want. Here's the money I want. And in three years, I want out and go to the next level. And he's like, yes, yes, yes. Wow. So that is a brilliant example. She just reframed every assumption that she had made. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. what women and she can took do. Yeah, and she took her power back. And I love Maybe too that. that her her you know community, her her husband, her friends, her colleagues said, "Of course you can do this, right?" right. Because that self doubt was eroding her yeah. confidence. Jody, we could talk for years, and I we know. shall continue, <laughs> but we'll be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. 
And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. Jody, you mentioned something earlier that uh, really strikes a nerve with all of us. We're still living in the reality of a global pandemic. And you talked about how women in particular are struggling often working from home, helping children in online learning scenarios and still being the chief household officer. So do you sense from the research that you and your co-author are doing and have done for this book that more organizations are welcoming the remote work option because it used to be sort of a you know an option for some progressive companies you know Netflix had done it for years and 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 other organizations were reticent did covid change that Definitely. Definitely it changed that. I think sometimes we need these shocks to the systems to make the change that people have been talking about for years. And now I think people are seeing, oh my God, it's actually quite effective for people to work at home and people are happier. And in some sense, they're working a little more. But I think what the key thing is, is that we're going to probably go back to a middle ground, which is more of a hybrid, which I still think would be so much better than it used to be. So rather than having people there five days a week, you could have people there, you know, on two to three days when you're bringing together for people for collaboration. And so you use the, 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 the space to work together for the specific tools that it's good for. And then when people have to do thinking time or trying to get things done, then they can go back to their home space and leverage that. So I think it becomes more strategic, right? And this is really what we've always said. In my opinion, so much of the way we run organizations now is laziness. Mm. I think you spoke about that, you know, with hiring, you know, well, let's just keep them here nine to five because it's easier for me to track their but their movements. Like, I mean, let's get past that. We're not living in the 1920s anymore. We don't need to check people's time. Most of the people that are listening to this podcast are professionals. We know what to do and we can manage and we can start to work with our outcomes rather than the process. We are hired because we can manage the process. And so what we need to focus on is how do we measure outcomes and then how people get that done should be up to them. And then use the tools, the collaboration tools coming together as you need to, rather than everybody needs to come to work five days a week. It, you know, it's so old school. It certainly is. It certainly is. Well, I'm, I'm encouraged and I agree. I think that hybrid model is really compelling. And I think intellectually, yeah. it just, it breaks things up, right? Because there is a yes. camaraderie about seeing people and being in proximity of other humans, yeah. right? We, we've all been forced into work at home for obvious reasons yeah. because of the pandemic and people are craving connection and, you know, a chance to see people. So glad to hear that. So walk me through this three-part approach that you talk about in the book. So when we really, we were trying to step back and really think about, so what is the framework that we really are or want people to, to take on. And so there's three parts to it. There's the mindset, the skill set, and then processes environment. So the very first step of this entire process is this idea of mindset. And so mindset is a couple of different things. First off, it's about awareness. So it's about stepping back and seeing the bias that's in the, in, in the workplace, seeing people's experiences, like understanding, for example, we were just talking about women and all the different things that they're supposedly, quote unquote, doing or responsible for, and seeing that that's just a, an assumption that we made, that it's just historical. There's nothing inherently, um, there's nothing inherently genetic about uh, females' ability to cook, 
I'm not a very good cook. Nor am I. You know, I know that. <laughs> we are two examples <laughs> so, of non-cooks, right? Exactly. There's lots of examples. So we don't need to say that women should cook dinner because what's the point? Right, right. You know, it's just it's just historical. So mindset is about stepping back and saying, okay, here's the way things have worked and they don't necessarily work for us anymore. And so showing, shining the light on that and really being reflective and then reframing and saying, okay, these are the assumptions. So for example, meritocracy, we talk often about with organizations, this idea of we are a meritorious organization. And the reality is when you use the word merit, there's some research out there that says that the more you use the word merit, the more biased the organization is because, of course, merit has this patina of I'm everybody who's there is there because they're good. And so it becomes this block. So mindset basically says, let's shift that. Clearly, we're not meritorious because we all look alike. So therefore, we can't be merit-based. Yeah. Something's wrong in the system. So that's the mindset piece. The second area is this idea of skill set. We did some research last year on allyship, and what we found was that only 21% of senior leaders have the skills to do inclusion. So we're expecting leaders to do all of this work and change their processes and change the way they act, but they've never been taught. So it's not possible for them. So we have to give people the skills so that they can actually do the work. So for example, a skill is understanding different perspectives. A skill is facilitating an effective decision-making so that everybody's voice is engaged and so you're actually collaborating at a much higher level, synthesizing and synergizing. And then the third area is this idea of process and environment. And this is basically saying, do we have a learning environment? Do we have a psychologically safe environment so that people can speak up and say, you know, I wasn't chosen for this promotion. Can you tell me why? Yeah. And why is it that the last three have been men? And so this ability to say this something doesn't seem right. So is it a psychologically safe environment? And then, of course, you got to change the processes because processes make things easier for people. So if the process, let's stick with hiring, is biased, people are going to continue to do it because that's the way the process is set up. So what you do is you open up the process, you retool it so that it doesn't have the bias embedded anymore, and then you restructure it so now it's easy to not be biased. And so you have to change the processes. And this is where so many organizations fall down because they don't make that last leap. They may give people skills, but they put them back into an environment that the processes are biased. And so it just perpetuates. So you really need all three because if you don't, if you don't have the mindset, then people are going to try to change the problem without fixing it. So this is why you have all these solutions which say fix the woman or you know, give her childcare support without really reframing the, the idea that men and women both need childcare not just women. And so you have to redefine things first and then you got to give people the skills and then you got to change the processes so it's easy for them to work in an unbiased way. So I'm, I'm putting myself in the virtual shoes of the women listening yeah. around the world. And I'm sure many of them are nodding their heads saying, okay, what she says makes absolute <laughs> sense, but my boss does not have the skills to do the inclusion right. work, just like you referenced right. earlier. So where does the organization start there, right? There are so many DNI training. Some of them are good. Yeah. Some of them are not. Right. So how how do we do that work well and, and honor the complexity of it? I think this is the tricky part, right? The, the problem is, is that so many organizations want the easy way out. So they'll send their women to a conference or they'll send everybody to training and it's a checkbox and it's not really built in and inculcated within the organization. So if you're an individual woman, the place that I would start is in my team. The very first place I would do is say, as a team, what do we need to do? And start to say, let's figure out how to get these skills in my team. 
if as an individual woman, you're part of a, a network, maybe an ERG, you can start there and put a lot of pressure, put more pressure on senior leadership to actually make some of these more substantive changes. So get past the book club and actually go and make substantive changes and champion what this looks like. I'm a huge fan of piloting. So one of the ways that we always suggest is don't just say you need to do inclusion or you need to think about gender. What I would suggest that women do is say, we want to pilot this. We want to pilot a new way of hiring in our business unit. Can we do this? We will track it. We will measure it. We'll do a pre-post and then we'll tell you what the results are. And so now you're not, you're asking for permission to try something out, much more likely to get that permission. And then you do it and you showcase the difference and then you can champion it and shout it loud and share it widely. And this also increases visibility, by the way. This also gets women viewed as people who are impacting the bottom line business. And in every step of the way, what we say is that this is a strategy problem. You run it, you run it like any other change process, operational change process and use it as a way to showcase the benefits to the business. Oh, Jody, that is brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. I learned a lot today. I really did. And I love the book. Let me tell our global audience thank all you. about it. And I want to honor your co-author, Kelly Watson. And the book is called The Next Smart Step how to overcome gender stereotypes and build a stronger organization. And of course it's available on Amazon and major book retailers and it's in the ebook version and also hard copy. I highly recommend that our global audience check it out. Jody, I wish you continued success. Give Kelly thank my you. regards and thank you. We, we need this book, we need this resource and I'm, I'm truly grateful. Thank you so much. Very fun talking with you. You too. You too. And if you like our show, please subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. And even better, leave a review because this helps new people find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like for me to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, our Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Take care.